the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Hello there, this episode was originally a live, unscripted, and without a safety net Q&A session that I, Andy, uh, kind of <laughs> coerced slash encouraged our tutor, Marissa Unterberg, head tutor at Lockwood Test Prep, into doing where we fielded uh, at least 25 to 30 something questions from more than 56 attendees of a live webinar. If you are interested in questions such as how to get uh, or answers to questions such as how to get 800 in reading, does it really matter for admissions purposes if my daughter doesn't send her score to a test optional school? Questions about extended time, how is the ACT different than the SAT, and some strategies to help boost your scores and crush the test, then this episode is for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Good evening. Welcome to tonight's webinar on test prep secrets. Doing a little Q&A. I'm Andy Lockwood. I'll be handling the cues. And with me is Marissa Unberg, a head tutor, Lockwood Test Prep. Hello, Marissa. Hello. Are you ready to provide some A's? I am ready. Okay. So a uh, little ground rules first. Uh, introduce yourselves in the chat. Let us know where you are logging in from and make sure that you can hear and see us. Okay. And um, this is an open forum. There, there were 17 questions that were submitted ahead of time by approximately 99 people who signed up. Um, one of the questions was, can Marissa take the test for my child? Uh, th that was me. I was just testing to make sure that everything worked last week. So um, you don't have to answer that question just in case anybody's wearing a wire. Okay. Um, so before we, and, and then um, you guys, you have an unprecedented, uh, well, maybe slightly precedent, but you have a, the ability to ask, to fire your questions away at Marissa, try to stump her. Um, this is free. You, know, you don't have to hire her for, for tonight's uh, session. So if you have any burning questions, put them in the chat and mark them as questions, uh, and that'll help me, and then we will um, get your answers. The cues will lead to A's. So who do we have here? Uh, Darian from Dix Hills. Rachel. Uh, Rachel, mark your, uh, if you mouse over your question, you can hit the little question mark doohickey icon, and that'll help. Um, anyone who's just joining us, whatever cues you have, try to mark them. That'll just help me a lot as I moderate this. William from East Meadow. Stephanie from McLean, Virginia. Charmaine from GBNY. Uh, what is that? Should I know that? Um, Brent from San Diego. Hello, Brent. Logan from New Jersey. Hello, Logan. And Parvati from Alabama. All right, Vincent from Brooklyn. All right, so you guys can hear us and see us, I assume. So let's proceed. Um, I'm just going to get right into it, Marissa. Okay. Let's just see how, you know, how good you you are working without a safety net. I'm a little uh, nervous. <laughs> you seem nervous. Um, actually, uh, b before we do that, just because I want to let some more people come on, um, you were mentioning before we, w we went on the air that you had a couple of um, very nice success stories to share as you do yep. pretty much each month. 
So can you walk us through the, the two uh, score jumps that uh, your students received recently? So one student I've been working with for several months now, uh, she started out at a 1260 and ended up, if we look at her super score, uh, at a 1490. So she thought it was impossible. You know, can I get this high? This is my goal. I think goal is like around 1500, which we pretty much hit. And then another is student- she, Well, is she, is she done done or is she still thinking about doing more? I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> all right. I think this was her third test, so she might be done. Okay. And we're so close to the goal, you know. Um, another student who also had a 1500 goal, uh, he started with a competitor, but was not matching on the real test, did not match what he was getting on his practice test. So we did just a short six hour package. Uh, and he also went up to 1490. He started at 1400. Okay. Um, so that was still a big increase because the higher your score is, the harder it is to move it. So we, he, I think he's done too. Like he just. And he like, was with oh, a he's with a competitor test prep company, which out of uh, discretion you're you're not naming. We don't have anything against them, but I'm not. Naming no, I actually them. like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I know the owner very well. Uh, yeah, very well, Tom. And um, he does a good job, and a lot of local people in Long Island have definitely heard of this company. And um, frankly, that's the way it is. You know, sometimes um, it's it's like bringing in a new pitcher out of the bullpen in the sixth inning. You know, you just need someone to uh, to change it up a little bit, and it can it can work both ways too. I don't usually hear about that, but um, it's you know, sometimes it's good to switch things up a little bit to get better results. And in his case, yeah, going from a fourteen hundred to a fourteen ninety is. Um, that's kind of unusual. That's that's for, at least for the results that you talk about. I've definitely heard more about the you know twelve something to fourteen something. Yeah, but for for only like a six hour package, I'm I'm very satisfied with that increase, and he's satisfied because he's in range for all the schools. That well, he wants um, so so, can you share any type of insight in, into how he was able to increase his scores, and then maybe the same thing for the first person you mentioned? Uh, for the second person. I think it was just a matter of approaching it with a different strategy. I have my own personally developed strategy for all the sections, but I also customize it to the student. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the benefits over going with like a larger company because they're going to train all of their tutors with just like a one size fits all method. And one size fits all what? Strategy. No, I heard you say method. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but it's just me, right? I'm the tutor, I'm, I'm making all this up. So if I find that you know a student is going to find a different approach more beneficial, then I change the strategy and we just sort of make little course adjustments along the way uh, when we see like how they're performing on their different tests and their different practice sections. Um, and with the other one, uh, it was a combination of like having a strategy, like a, a good workable strategy uh, but also I think she suffered from a lot of test anxiety. Mm. So we worked on that a lot. Uh, that's usually the biggest challenge for students who have it, is dealing with that and, and timing issues that I think stemmed from the anxiety. Was this another issue of the test anxiety flowing downhill perhaps? From, no, no. Nope. from the parents, because it usually does. I've only talked to the mom, but she seems, at least with me, cool as a cucumber. I have had the anxious parents and oh, you can tell, <laughs> you could tell. Really? Yeah, <laughs> shocking, I know. Yeah. Um, but we, we dealt with the combination of test anxiety and also just like 
thinking too deeply <laughs> about the test. Like it's more yeah. of a service level test. You don't want to overthink the answer choices. So funny. Yeah. All right, guys. So um, I'm now going to get to the questions. There were uh, 17 that were pre-submitted. And if you have a question, this is your opportunity to lob them in here. Again, working without a safety net. So just mark your question as a question. So in your, you know, put in the comments section here, the chat, but then mouse over it, and there's a little question mark doohickey that uh, will help me spot it once I get through these 17. Once I should say Marissa gets through these 17. Okay. And I guess uh, there's, a, well, there's one or two that I should answer. Um, they're more college advising questions. So uh, if you're just joining us, I'm Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep, and with us is our head tutor at, at Lockwood Test Prep, uh, Marissa. Long story about the names. Uh, I won't get into it right now. So um, all right, question from Michelle. Does it really matter for admissions purposes if my daughter doesn't send her score to a test optional school? Um, so I'll, I'll answer that very quickly, and then we'll move on. The, the answer is that um, if you are in the top 20%, top 20, you know, maybe top half of that school's range, I would send the score in because that's going to show strength. If you do not send the score in, it's going to indi uh, indicate one of two things. One, that you are unable to sit for the test, which still many people um, can't do, uh, particularly in, in states like California. Uh, it could also, though, if you're not in a geographic location that's challenged in terms of their testing centers, it could also indicate that, what, what do you think? If you don't send your scores in, that they're too high? You don't want to show off? Uh, probably the opposite. Probably that you didn't have a good score. So um, that is not the uh, what, what admissions officers say. They say, oh, don't worry about it. But in terms of the preliminary results that we're seeing through this year's cycle, um, the people who got in who were test optional to competitive schools tended to be uh, overwhelmingly from areas that couldn't take tests uh, or low-income uh, uh, families, underrepresented minorities, uh, recruited athletes, that, legacies, you know, those types of special um, situations. So if, you, if you're not in one of those categories and you're not in a geographic area that was test challenged, test center challenged, then I would uh, submit at the schools where it makes sense. All right, question number two from Janet. How to get an 800 in reading? <laughs> get every answer right? Uh, how, how, would you, how, how, would, how would you recommend people do that? Well, to get an 800 is extremely unusual, probably less than 1%, probably well less than 1% of students get that. Uh, and well, reading is actually only up to 400 points because that's half of your verbal score. But you need to have strong reading comprehension skills to begin with. Uh, but you also need to have a solid strategy for approaching the test. So of course we have that in our classes and our one-on-one -on -one tutoring. And on top of that, lots and lots of practice. And, and identifying where they're misleading you, right? That's part of the strategies that you talk about all the time, mm -hmm. identifying yeah. those, those uh, Easter eggs. Knowing, so the, yeah, knowing the patterns of the right answers and the wrong answers and trying to like figure out what they're really asking you when they word questions a certain way. Uh, she probably meant 800 in verbal uh, because the other 400 points comes from the writing and language section, which is mostly grammar. Uh, I find that one's a lot easier to get a perfect score in because it's really easy to memorize the grammar rules. But most students start off not knowing many, or if they know them, they don't know the nuances that they need for the test. But it's a, it's a manageable amount, so you can get that memorized in, in probably a few weeks. Would you say that when you're either teaching the classes or working with kids one-on-one -on -one, that um, grammar 
is uh, in terms of your approach, you spend a little bit more time on the content for that section compared to content for the other sections? Because I know you're more of a strategies kind of gal. Um, I have strategies overall. for all of the sections, but for reading, there is no content. <laughs> like it's all, all I can give you is strategy. Uh, so compared to the reading, absolutely, there's way more content in grammar. Uh, but yeah, I would say we probably focus a little more on content than on strategy for the grammar section. Uh, and, same then the, and then the other math. sections. Yeah, I would say math and math and and grammar are more more a little more content than strategy, but strategy is also extremely important for those sections as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always heard you say that you want to teach the least amount of content that you need, as opposed yeah. to four years of math, like perhaps like a high school teacher who tutors for SATs on the side might do, because they don't understand. Yeah. It's not about content; it's more about the strategies. And it's also about efficiency. You know, it takes a long time to relearn <laughs> four entire years of math. Yeah. Okay. Um, question from Brent. Is the SAT enough or better to take both SAT and ACT? Um, do you want to answer that and then I'll chime in if I need to? Yeah. We, we typically recommend focusing on one test just because of the amount of energy uh, that it requires and time and studying and angst. Um, I have had students go from one test to the other. But when that happens, well, first of all, I, I, if if student really wants to take both, I say do one at a time. Focus on one test and then switch to the other and focus to that. But they usually end up getting a, pretty much the same score. So it's not something that I recommend outside of an unusual circumstance. Um, and of course, all schools take either test. So there's no reason that you would be missing out if you didn't take one or the other. Yeah, that, that's the main thing that I was going to say. Uh, schools are pretty much agnostic. Um, so, yeah, figure out which one is best and then just get that one as high as you can and forget about anything else. Um, okay, so this this is going to sound like a funny question. Uh, I, I thought it was, but I actually think it's a very good question um, because the official party line of the College Board up until recently um, might have made you answer this differently. Probably not. Anita's question is, should we prepare? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what I was alluding to, though, is up until a few years ago, the College Board said you don't need to study. You don't need to get tutoring. This is an, the SAT is an aptitude test. It's not something that you can perform better on if you prep. Yep. And then one day, they gave a free prep course through Khan Academy. Like, oh, now it's good to prep. <laughs> right. Because... Um, low-income and disadvantaged families couldn't afford to prep. Yeah, so now they, they figured out a fix. <laughs> right, just magically. Yeah. That, yeah, that made everything equal. Yeah. Just having this online free self-guided course because all students are going to put in the time and hold themselves <laughs> accountable. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Band-Aid. It's useful and it's a good starting point, um, but it's definitely not, right, it's not one-on-one -on -one or class. They don't, they don't give you strategy. It's good for the content, but it's not good for the strategy since there is none. Okay. Celia, uh, how, oh, so, so again, if you're just joining us, put your questions in the comments section, but mark them as a question. I've started to do that with a few people, um, but that's going to help me get your questions answered. So if you want your questions answered, you want the best shot at getting them answered, I should say, mark them as questions, and I will throw them at Marissa. Um, Celia, uh, how soon after receiving results from your first SAT should you take your next one? I would plan on taking about three 
since that's how long it usually takes most students to hit their maximum score as long as you've been prepping. So I wouldn't wait for the results. I would sign up for three test dates that close together as possible. But of course, it depends on your schedule. Like I was just speaking to a parent now trying to map out the next test and we decided to skip May because of the um, AP exams. She had so many AP exams in that month. So we decided to push off until June. Uh, but other than that, try to take three of them in a row. Uh, don't wait, because then you might not get a spot or you might not get a spot in a place that you want. And you should be continuing to study and prepare between both of them as well. You don't want to take a break. Good. Um, just as a side note, so the AP tests are more important this year than they have been before because the SAT has canceled uh, their subject tests. So only a few, relatively a handful of, of colleges required the subject tests before, that, which is why they got rid of them. But the AP uh, exams are also college board products. And uh, I think those are way more important now in the overall application if you are applying to competitive schools. Charmaine, can you have extended time on the SAT and ACT? Yes, uh, you have to apply to both companies separately. So there's a whole process with that and, and it begins with asking your, probably your guidance counselor at school. They have to walk you through it. They're two separate companies. So if you get approved for extended time on the SAT, you don't automatically get it. For the ACT, you have to apply to them as well. Um, they may or may not grant it to you, but if you've been getting extended time for a period of years, and it's with some official like 504, I think it's called, or IEP, um, then you're very likely to get uh, those accommodations granted. But apply as soon as you can. Don't wait until the last minute because it takes time to go through the process. And if you did something wrong, they could reject you. So you need extra time to come up with an appeal if you have to. So don't put it off if you're looking to get accommodations. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but um, for the College Board and the SAT, you can start that process before you register for a test. But for the ACT, you actually have to register for a test and then go for the yeah. extended time. Yeah, they won't let you apply for extended time with the ACT until you've actually signed up for a test. That's okay. true. So that's very important. And um, is it still your sense that the ACT is being a little more lenient? I think you said that before, or is it about even uh, now? Well, in I feel like they've passed their peak of being difficult, um, but I'm hearing conflicted information. Like we have a client that worked with Debbie trying to get extended time and they got rejected. And she said that Debbie told her they've been having more difficulty. Like the yeah. ACT has been giving people a harder time. That hasn't been my experience, but I just have a limited sample of students. So yeah. I think, I think if you, if like what I said before is true, like if you've been getting these accommodations for years and it's part of an official plan with your school, I can't foresee that ever getting rejected. But if yeah, it's something I mean, a little different, right. that's well, what yeah, When we had the scandals and, you know, Scarsdale, one out of five kids got extended time in uh, Newton, Massachusetts, yeah. which were, I happen to be from, got one out of three kids got extended time. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so they made it, they made it uh, a lot harder once all the, bad news about, uh, you know, Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan came out. Yeah, so I think if your accommodations are new, like if you just got them in your sophomore or junior year, that's going to look suspicious and they might reject that. Good. 
All right, so I have a bunch more questions to get through, then I'm going to go to the chat. So uh, here we go, Nadine. How can my child improve timing when completing the SAT? Uh, well, strategy and practice. So is one of the strategies I think we alluded to before, which is quickly eliminating wrong answers. Is that uh, something that would fall into this category? Um, I mean, I guess that's just an outcome of the strategy that I teach my students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have a whole reading strategy because uh, a lot of people approach the test the completely wrong way. They end up wasting a lot of time and having to reread the same material multiple yeah. times. So I have it all streamlined so that it's the least amount of reading and as painless as possible. Um, on, on math, do you have them like skip around and like do the, the easy ones first and save the hard ones or anything like that? Uh, somewhat, um, depending on the individual student's timing. So like the math, for instance, there's two sections of math, but then there's like subsections within those. So you've got no calculator, multiple choice, and then no calculator grid-ins. And the multiple choice goes from easy to hard, but then the grid-ins resets and goes from easy to hard again. So you want to answer those easy grid-ins before you answer the hard multiple choice, just if, you, if you're someone who might possibly run out of time. Sure. So you don't want to invest three times as long on a hard question and then skip these easy ones that you could have had just guaranteed points on. Yeah, that always seemed to be odd advice to me to do the hard ones first because they, they all count the same, whether they're hard or easy, right? Yeah. yeah but some students think that the hard ones count for more. Yeah. But a lot of students don't know that it goes from easy to hard and then easy to hard again. So I think I that's that. what the problem is. Yeah. Nice little tidbit there. Okay. Next question. Uh, again, these are pre-submitted. Then I'm going to get to the chat. Darian, how is the ACT different from the SAT? Uh, the ACT, the biggest difference I would say is it's much faster paced. Uh, but also the SAT is uh, has more math on it. So the SAT is 50% math. The ACT is 25% math. So if you're stronger in math, you might prefer the SAT. If you're stronger in, reader, in reading and you're like a faster test taker, you might prefer the ACT. The AC also has a distinct science section, um, which is really like science reading more than science knowledge. Um, and a lot of people mistakenly think that means the SAT doesn't have any science on it, but that's not true. The SAT has science questions, but they're sort of scattered throughout every single section, but they're not as intense as the science on the ACT. Um, the grammar sections are pretty very, they're very, very similar. Uh, the SAT reading is definitely harder than the ACT reading, but it's slower. So if you're somebody who needs to read more slowly, you're probably not going to like the ACT. Okay. Tracy wants to know which test is recommended and least intimidating? Uh, it depends on the person. Uh, we always recommend taking a diagnostic test. We offer one. Um, or if you take on your own, like a full-length SAT and a full-length ACT, uh, see how you feel about them and see which one you score better on. And that's the one that you should probably focus on. Um, if you want to take our diagnostic, it's on our website, LockwoodTestPrep.com, and it's right at the top. You just click on Diagnostic, and it's a virtually proctored um, exam given Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern, and Sunday, 12 p.m. Eastern. And if those times don't work for you, I mean, we, we started the, the, the one on Sunday later for the West Coast kids. 
But um, if that does, neither works, then you can time yourself at home, and Marissa will just get you the uh, the materials um, once you sign up. Okay. All right, Patrick. Um, should you do the essay on the on the SAT? Should you take the ACT and SAT? So I'll answer the first one. Um, the SAT is going, going, gone. The I'm sorry, the essay on the SAT. So. Uh, I don't think you need to do it anymore. If if you've signed up for it, just do it once, just for the, the heck of it. But if you don't, that's not a big deal, because that, along with the subject tests, were um, deleted, were canceled by the. Yeah, I think you can still take the essay until June, yeah. but I don't see any urgency to take it. Although I have had students that wanted to remove it and they weren't able to because right. they have space in the non-essay rooms. Yep, and then. Previously answered, should you take the ACT and SAT? Preferably, you just figure out which one is best, either by doing our diagnostic or taking one full-length test. Uh, the, the difference between the diagnostic that Marissa put together is that's 50% SAT and the other 50% is ACT. So it's a combined three hours, roughly. But um, the other way to do it is take a full-timed SAT and a full-timed ACT. On different days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Reagan, what's the strategy behind crushing the SAT without hours upon hours of studying a lot of different subjects? Well, uh, you do the study. Uh, our, our class does require hours upon hours of <laughs> attending class yep. and doing practice uh, practice tests. There's no magic answer to like getting a great score on the SAT or the ACT without putting the work in. It just Good. We do it as fast as we can and as painlessly as we can. We cut as many corners as we possibly could, but you have to put in the time, unless you're just like a naturally brilliant test taker. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, you but, put in the work, yeah. I, I, I like that question, I mean, I like Reagan, but I like, I like that question because um, a lot of people want that magic wand yeah. or, or the silver bullet, and they get angry when, um, I think you had someone who uh, refunded on the first class because yeah. her daughter didn't see an increase from day one to day two or something. It was, yeah, it was like a weekend. So we had like a once a week class. So she attended one class and her score didn't go up. So she wanted to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, goodbye. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm members of some like tutoring groups on Facebook and I see it all the time. I see kids saying like, oh, is it enough if I just like review the day before the SAT or I just reviewed the day before the ACT and, you know, I got like, you know, 16. <laughs> like, Gee. yeah. Yeah. Wonder why. So, all right, so that's a good segue, though, just for me to jump in here. So, um, we are we are offering classes. They start next week. Which which one starts next week? Uh, SAT. Okay, and that preps people for April. May. May. Okay. Um, so we're offering hundred bucks off, um, and it is guaranteed. Meaning that um, if you go through the first class and you decide it's not for you for any reason, even silly reasons like. Um, my daughter didn't improve already after one class. Um, then you know it's, it's an it's a no weasel clause. You know, Mercer and I are both attorneys, but there's no attorney uh, legalese in there. We call it a, a first class guarantee. Um, however, don't sign up if you if you are looking for the silver bullet because it doesn't exist. There is work involved. Mercer's method is to um, get the highest results in the least amount of time, but you still have to put the time in, you know, the work in. So I. I'm very happy that Reagan brought that up. Um, we also have an ACT class starting in early May. Okay. For anyone yeah. interested. And what's the, um, will, you, will you put in chat the coupon code? I, th I think it's. I, I 
Can I is check? It, uh, yeah, I think it's Crusher oh, 2021. Right, Crusher 2021. Crusher 2021. Yeah, if you if you sign up, um, use the coupon code Crusher 2021 2021. Um, because and make sure that the cart changes to reflect the instant hundred dollars off early action scholarship, aka discount. All right. Um, so moving right along, Matthew, should I guess on the last questions of the reading section on the SAT? Well, if you're running out of time, yes. Put in random guesses for any section if you didn't get to a question or if you just don't know what to do. It used to be that you would lose more points from guessing than if you just left it blank. That's no longer true. So guess away. Uh, of course, if you have the time to do it, then. Yeah, so no penalty, no penalty for wrong. No answer. penalty for guessing, no. Yeah, okay. Um, question from C, just an initial C. How do you strengthen your weaknesses on practice tests? Uh, you learn the strategies and you learn the content and you also review your mistakes in your practice tests to figure out what your weaknesses are. If you start getting all of the circle problems wrong, then that's a clue that you should be focusing on studying your circle rules if you're getting all the subject verb agreement problems wrong, then you need to review your subject verb agreement rules. Uh, so that's the best way to focus in on your particular weaknesses because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. And you want to um, memorize anything you haven't fully mastered. And, and just to round out that answer, I think I, I also hear you um, making sure that people play to their strengths too. It's not just about your weaknesses. It's about improving your strengths. Even though you may be better at something, maybe there's a higher and better use of your time to pick up more points on something. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to ignore the sections that you're good in, um, but you want to focus like on the individual rules that you're memorizing. You know, you don't have to keep reviewing the things that you already have mastered. Review those things that you've been getting wrong. Uh, so I just I'm just going to jump to a, a, um, a comment I saw in the, in the chat here. Um, so reminder flag your question if you want me to uh, to take a shot at answering that flag your comment as a question um so i guess the uh for people on their phone they might not be able to see the button to check out the classes so you can go to lockwoodtestprep.com slash online and that that'll be where you can see the um the courses coming up all right jonathan uh, what should the timing be in taking the tests should you start junior year and would you recommend taking both? So we, we talked about taking both, which we recommend trying to avoid that by doing a diagnostic, but what about when should you start? Um, it, it varies a little bit from person to person. I really like starting, for most people, starting prep in the summer before your junior year because it's just so much easier to be able to devote time and effort into it without the distractions of schoolwork and extracurriculars and all of that. Um, students who have already completed or are close to completing Algebra 2 can start earlier because that the tests cover math through Algebra 2. In fact, if you have completed that already, start as early as you can because the further away you get from that course, the more of the SAT or ACT math that you're going to be forgetting. Hmm. Um, Igor, hello Marissa, will you be offering tutoring and prep for the August and September SATs? Thank you. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I would. Well, there's no September SAT that I'm aware of this year, um, but I would say the August is probably the most popular test. Okay. And I really love the August test because you've got the summer to prepare. 
All right, so we will get that posted at some point, right? Those... My, my, my only caveat is that register for that August test as soon as you can if you're interested in taking it uh, because fewer schools offer that test because a lot of them don't want to open in the summer. In terms of testing sites, you mean? Yeah, like there are fewer testing sites available in my experience. They've only had the August for a few years, but there haven't been that many testing sites available. So register as soon as you possibly can, great. which is not yet. So that is a great tip. They're all great tips, but that was a good one. Um, Bob, do you offer both group sessions and private? And there's a few yes. other questions. Yes, we do. We have both of them. Uh, and then how many hours are the classes, which um, you can see if you click on that black link? Are they uh, usually 12 hours? How many? They're typically 12 hours, yeah. depending on how long we have between tests. So it's they're t between 10 and 12 hours. Not per class, total. Total. <laughs> um, and then he just uh, mentioned something you uh, alluded to before. Our son is currently in 10th grade, uh, hoping to start over the summer. Is that workable? And what's the cost of the courses? So um, highly recommended. Everything's written right there. If you, you just click on that black link on the page, or you go to lockwoodtestprep.com forward slash online. Uh, Debbie, what is the best way of determining which of these a student should take if they are generally not a great test taker? Uh, diagnostic test. Yeah. Uh, probably if your if your student is running out of time, if that's the reason why they're struggling with uh, standardized tests, then you're probably going to end up with the SAT. Okay. But always take the diagnostic or two different practice tests and compare the scores. Great. All right, so now I'm switching to the questions, and um, I'm starting with the questions that were marked as questions. So if you have something in chat that you want me to read as a question, please hover over the comments in your little comment box, and you'll see a question mark icon, and that'll mark it. So uh, let me see here. Let's do by the oldest first. Um, <laughs> Brent, hey, Marissa, how in expletive deleted can we <laughs> – that's from the old Nixon tapes – uh, can we get an SAT or ACT date in California? Um, I think you do that by going to another state. Idaho. Yeah. Oh, California is such a nightmare to find a location um, now. I will say, though, that the good news is you will not be penalized at test optional schools if you are living in an area like California where you genuinely cannot sit for the tests. As but opposed I, I have had people traveling to other states. Yeah. That's unusual. I mean, yeah. you have the means to do that. Yeah. But um, what I'm seeing so far, and I, I alluded to this uh, earlier today when I sent out an email to remind people about tonight's session, is that um, you cannot get the benefit, for the most part, it seems, of test optional if you are in an area where you can take the test or you attend a private school that offers in-house testing. So, um, uh, so in California, you're, I think you're fine. Um, but there's no, yeah, there's no secret sauce for that, unfortunately. Okay. But that's a good point. If your school is offering like an in-school test, take that because yeah. I haven't had any students have those canceled. Right. No matter what, the schools know that it's so important. So they just stay open no matter what. 
Yeah, and it's and it's looking like this year's going to be a lot easier to take tests than last year. Um, in, I'm in, having North. hope for August, even in California. Yeah, for most normal Absolutely. states. <laughs> um, yeah. So that brings up something else that someone did not ask, but uh, this this was a conversation I was having over the weekend with a very panicked um, client. Um, the the son took the exam in school, and the proctor, who was a teacher at the school, said, um, "Hey, you get a chance to send the scores to you know up to I think three schools free or something. I don't know how many it was." Um, and he's like, "Okay, should I do that?" And the and the proctor said, "Oh yeah, no problem. Um, if you don't, you know, if you don't think you do well, did well on it, you can just you know cancel it." Um, so what happened was. He signed up for uh, for the free offer to send the scores out to a few schools, and um, came home and told his mom that. And the next day, she uh, decided, "Well, I, I don't like that." Um, and she asked me about that because I don't really think that's beneficial. Because why? I think would you, you can cancel it. Why would you exactly? So, so just, hey, don't get to the spoil. Don't spoil alert. I'm oh, sorry. Um, so, so, don't spoil. I mean, so, so. Um, uh, I don't like that. I don't like that option anyway. Because why would you show a bad score if you didn't have to? You know. So yeah. uh, anyway, um, so then they she she found out from the proctor that lo and behold she could not cancel the scores and they were going off to the schools. I don't think it's going to matter for this particular student. His name is Evan. Um, you you know him. He's he's been in your classes, but um, it was a little uh, stressful for no reason and dumb. Bad advice, bad dumb advice from the proctor of that. Don't ever take advice from a proctor. <laughs> well, it was actually a teacher at that high school too. So, doesn't um, matter. Do you do you ever recommend using that free score to college option? Uh not not unless you're applying to a school that's going to require all the scores anyway. Yeah, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, and like if only if all of your schools require that. No, I would want to see the score before yeah. making a decision. Good. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't take advice. Even I've heard so many crazy things from even guidance counselors. That should be another webinar. Crazy, yeah. crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy advice we've ever heard. Oh, the worst. Um, all right, so uh, so that's a segue, a good segue to the next question from Charmaine. What is a super score? That is when they take the highest score from each section on different tests. So, for example, on the SAT, if you got in March. You got an 800 on the verbal, but only a 200 on the math. But then in May, you got a 200 in the verbal and an 800 on the math. You would have a super score of 1600. They would take your highest score from each. Uh, the ACT does that as well, but they have four different sections. So there's a little more. Yeah, they call it, yeah, they call it score choice or something else for the ACT. Thing, <laughs> um, not all, but most colleges will accept that. And something that, that freaks people out a lot is they, it looks like when you sign up to do this, that colleges get all scores from all tests, um, which technically they might do that, but if it's their policy to super score, they're only looking at the highest score. So um, don't worry about it if the school does not super score. They're, they're, they're actually looking for that type of an uh, anomaly that Marissa just uh, um, gave as a hypothetical, which is <laughs> unlikely to go from an 800 to a 200. But they're looking for the kids who are, you know, either cheating or um, something's a fluke. So, well, if you remember from our last webinar, one of the uh, viewers, like their friend's kid, like took just they sat for the whole ACT, but just took one section and oh, got right. zero on the rest. So yeah. it could happen <laughs> if you do that. Well, that you was because. 
Yeah, that was because they were one of the new um, people taking just a part of the ACT, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought no, I thought they just did it on their own. Well, they um, just decided not to take the other sections on. Their yeah, own. I don't. That that's funny. Happened. That's not what I thought, but maybe you're right. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I don't recommend that either. If you're watching, please please clarify. <laughs> well, I, I think I think she was taking advantage of the the new policy that the ACT has the rolling out to allow you to just sit for one section, but she should have been able to leave. But instead, no, they, they didn't roll that out yet. That's yeah, okay. That's yeah, that's very odd. All so right. I wouldn't want to sit there for three hours and only take one section. It's a little much. <laughs> that was funny. Um, yeah, you're probably right. All right. Um, Rachel Gibbs Shapiro, how, how uh, is it really about how many times you take it? If you take it more, do you generally get better? Um, well, I'll, I'll give a short answer to that. There is a diminishing, uh, you know, point of diminishing returns, but all the studies that I've seen show that you know if you take it three times, uh, it, you know, that's that there, there seems to be a, a, pr a pretty steady ascension overall, not always from test to test, um, and you can still improve from three to four and four to five. But Marissa, you've seen everything, right? It, it varies. Yeah, like we've had people take it many times and then come to us, and then it jumps. And I've had other students where they took it more than three times. I think we had students took it maybe six times. Yeah, she went up steadily, like a similar amount every single time. So I just play it by ear. For most students, I say plan on about three. But there are exceptions where if you're still improving and you still have room to grow and you haven't hit your maximum score, then keep going for it. Yeah, so so one of the people I always think about, I don't, I don't know if you were thinking about her too, Mary, because um, I, I, uh, her dad's one of my uh, golf buddies. And um, <coughs> um, she took it many times. Yeah. Um, but the reason I think that you kept encouraging her to do that, well, there's two reasons. One is because she was a recruited athlete um, to, you know, by Villanova, so she had to hit a certain score. But um, the second thing was you saw that there was upside because she was not performing well on the actual test, but she was doing well on the practice tests. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're saying before is, you, I, I, not to put words in your mouth, but you, you can kind of get a feel for the top end of someone's range um, after you know working with them for a certain period of time. So, you know, my my feeling, um, and, and you, I think you believe this too, but chime in is that once you're at that top of your range, you know, it's like banging your head against the wall. You really, you really can't do more. But the trick is to figure out what is that top end of your range. And I might not know that range. Well, I won't possibly know it in the beginning. Yep. But, you know, with, I'm always giving practice tests and practice sections. And at a certain point, once you hit your, your maximum, you're going to plateau in your practice tests. So if you're going from like 20 to 21 and then you got like eight 28s in a row, well, I don't think we're really going to go too much beyond a 28. Yeah. So that once you hit your 28 on the real test, it's probably a good idea to just stop. Good. But if you're getting 32s on your practice tests consistently, but you got a 25 on your on your actual ACT, then maybe you got some test anxiety or something else that you're dealing with. Keep going. You, you need to keep going until you get very close to your maximum uh, practice test scores. Charmaine asks, are you online and what are your costs? So yes, uh, you may have already seen. If, if you haven't, the, the black button here where you can go right to our um, online class page marissa also tutors online and yeah you can, you can click the tutoring button in the menu as well and that'll take you to all the packages all the prices are online we're transparent we don't make you call us just to get the prices like uh, a lot of companies yeah, people do. do that yeah you're right 
Yeah, it's annoying. Like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So you look at the prices. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Okay. Um, uh, what are your plans? This is my question. What are, you, what are your plans to go back face to face, if any? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I'm thinking about it. I don't know how safe it is to have like a group class in the office. I'd have to yeah. go and look to see how we can distance everybody. But, you know, I'll see how things pan out with, you know, the government regulations. If yeah. they tell us it's safe to have fewer than six feet apart, then I'll go ahead and open up the classroom. I'll consider doing maybe some one-on-one -on -one in person, although I, I think it's more effective to do one-on-one -on -one online than six feet apart in person with masks. It's extremely effective meeting online where we're just like face-to-face, -face, we're speaking to each other, we're seeing each other. It's not any worse than, than meeting in person. And it's definitely better than distance in person. Yeah, and, and less travel, more convenient, and kids are much more accustomed to doing that than uh, people in their 40s. They, yeah, it's, it's the parents who object yeah. to online tutoring more than the, the kids. Um, all right, next question from Rachel Gibbs-Shapiro. And again, if you, uh, I have a few more here, then we're gonna um, wrap up here. So if you have a question, but you just left it in chat and didn't market a question, uh, I'm not gonna necessarily get a chance we only have three left here, but if you want me to answer it, mark it as a question. Um, Rachel's uh, question, are some of the tests easier than others? Yeah, absolutely. And I have no way, and you have no way of predicting which ones they will be. I get these questions constantly, and I've heard every theory, like, oh, the March test is easier, or the September test is easier. Um, but it doesn't matter, because an easier test has a less forgiving curve, and a harder test has a more forgiving curve. So overall, it doesn't really matter. Don't even think about it. Just take the tests when it makes sense for you logistically. All right. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Back to the questions. This is from Celia. How soon after the March test should the student take the next SAT? Uh, I would take it in May. Just if you're prepping, you don't want to lose your momentum. You don't want, if you take too much of a break in between your test and in between prepping, you tend to forget or, or sort of lose your edge. So keep preparing, keep studying. Uh, if you have tons of APs, like we were talking about before, you might want to go and take the June one instead, but I wouldn't wait any later than that. All right, last question here. Last question that's marked as a question from, I hope I pronounced it right, Rahana. Would you recommend taking both tests, ACT and SAT? <laughs> no. Classic. No, take a diagnostic, yeah. figure out which one is better for you and focus on that one. Yeah. All right, well, that was informative. Even though we've done these uh, periodically, I still learn something every time. So uh, I hope you guys joining us also feel the same way. You got value out of this. We enjoyed doing these presentations for you. And uh, so you have a class that start an SAT class that starts actually tomorrow. That, is that when it starts, or later this week? I think it starts tomorrow. I am going to go check that on the fly. Lock with Test Pro. I got it on my iPad. Um, We're offering a hundred dollars. Starts on Tuesday. It starts on Tuesday. Okay. So depending on when you're watching this, um, it starts yeah on the thirtieth, right? Tuesday, yes. March thirtieth. That doesn't really depend on when you're watching us. 
Um, so <laughs> if you want to if you want to sign up with Marissa, or you have any questions, you can check it out check out that website, or you can um, by clicking that black button, lockwoodtestprep.com, and go to online. And uh, if you have any questions for Marissa about the, the classes or the diagnostic or anything like that, email her at marissa at lockwoodcollegeprep.com. All right. Final words of calming wit and wisdom, Marissa? Take a diagnostic test. Don't take both the tests. All right. And get some strategy. Don't take the test cold. Good. Uh, people don't take that advice a lot, and it comes back to bite them. Yeah. So. Yep. so all this advice is only good if you implement it. That's the, that's the bottom line. All right. We're going to wrap up here. Thanks for joining us. And if you have any questions, reach out to us. And have a great night, everyone. Thanks, Marissa. Good night. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double-secret software, College Guru software, that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.